Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome into the Bears and Izzy for Breakfast podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Wherever you get them, make sure you do subscribe. Well, a lazy Wednesday in the seat today. Izzy's still away with his family, but Bears was on absolute fire. We started talking pies because the pie awards were last night, so why wouldn't we talk pies before we eventually got into some sport, three-on-three basketball in particular, with Justin Nelson, the GM of the NBL, Robert Van Roy, uh, Van Royen from the press and stuff came on to wade through the sticky situation NZR find themselves in with this Bledisloe Cup. Australia, the Wallabies are coming, but how many tests are we going to get to hold in New Zealand this rugby season before Scott Waldrum talks sevens and under-85s Rugby, Grant Elliott talked his time playing cricket and some Olympics as well. And Stephen Marsh, well, he joined us to talk about the synthetic track at Cambridge, his team going in there to run later on today. Thank you again for listening to the Baz and Izzy for Breakfast podcast and SENZ. We'll be back again tomorrow doing it all again. Kia ora and marina to all of Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It's Wednesday the 28th of July and it's just after 6am in the morning. It is a privilege to spend the morning with you. We will chat all things sport today including the Olympics, some basketball, some rugby, some sevens, some cricket and of course some horse racing. Give us a call at any stage on 0800 150811. Or send us a text on double eight double three. We want to hear from you. Now, where our thoughts and prayers continue to go to Izzy, our man, and all of his whānau. He lost his mum over the weekend, and he's taken some time out. And we look forward to welcoming him back next week once they have an opportunity as a whānau to celebrate his mum's life. And standing in for Izzy is the very, very talented Louis Herman Watt. Good morning, Louis. Good morning, Brendan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just, I'll be honest. I, and actually, Izzy posted this lovely, lovely tribute to his mum on his Instagram, and I read that this morning, and it, yeah, it just, I just took a moment to read it and think about him and think about them, and, you know, it's always hard when you lose someone, so 
Um, very, very good words, is he? And, and he, I know he's intimately listened a couple of times this week, which is awesome. He he loves this show. He loves what we're doing. But, um, yeah, thoughts are with him. Although, Baz, I feel like I've been pushing it uphill a, a bit this morning. I, first thing, I get into work and I've got this jacket on because it's not, it's not exactly freezing up here, but it's not, it's not warm. And then I try to take this jacket off and the zip is just stuck right on my chest. <laughs> and it's like quite a big jacket. And I'm like starting to feel claustrophobic and the heaters have been on all night and the, the building we're in and it's like I'm sweating up trying to get it off and I cannot move the zip to save myself. And I end up having to try and pull it over my head and my glasses get stuck and then the... What? <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody had seen it, they just would have been like... What is going on? So that was the first thing this morning. Oh dear, oh dear. And I noticed that you've got a little sort of woolen number on as well, so there's a chance <laughs> that that zip could have got caught in the maybe started pulling away at your at your woolen what is that? Like is that a little it's a flash kind of scotch and soda or flash kind of number you're running there? I think it might be um completely unsponsored. It might be a little country road number, but yeah, and I was worried and yeah, that was gonna I was gonna lose a couple of threads. And then in typical fashion, so I finally get it off and then Trudy, you know, the wonderful mother she is, she gets in and within about two seconds the zips down. So <laughs> Trudy, what a legend. I did pick up as well in Trudy's news bulletin just there about the New Zealand Pie Awards today. And I know that there's a bit of a feature on, on a different time slot on SENZ. I think Beaver made it his own the other day discussing pies around New Zealand. But these are quite big. These awards have been around for a long time. And Trudy did make mention that Ronnie's Cafe just down the road here, which is about 800 metres as the crow flies from the studio here in Matamata, have got have won the award for 2021 for the best mince and cheese. If that's not enough to get you up and about in the morning, what is, Louis? Matter, matter, on the map, in the news, two days, three days in a row. Last time was for a perpetrator on the run, and now you've got, now you've got a pie in the news. Well done, mate. <laughs> I feel like I'm like the real spokesman for matter, matter right now. But Have you had the pie? That's right. Some of the other... I haven't had the pie. Well, I will be having the pie, definitely. I'm still just... The, the wise words of Ian Smith are ringing my ear, and that is that you need to be very careful about your diet when you're on breakfast radio. Because he said that that it can lead to you blowing out. So I just I'm a little cautious, but it won't stop me on this occasion from smashing a mince and cheese pie. A couple of the other winners actually, steak and gravy was to my bakery in Kelston. Bacon and egg. I wouldn't have a bacon and egg pie, Louis. I don't know about you, but I don't see the point. If I'm gonna have a pie, I I don't want a bacon and egg pie. Well, but anyway, the winner of that. I wouldn't Royal bu- Bakery in Grafton. I wouldn't buy a bacon and egg pie, but I think like a bacon and egg pie at the at the, the cricket on the banks that you know you've made with a bit of relish in the, at the base. You know that you can't go wrong there. That you've made, so you 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 bake wow. pies, do you? You don't strike me as a much of a baker. No, I mean I've, there's people in my life that might do that around me, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I'll eat it. Yeah, a couple other winners, the chicken and veg and kai pie and Wanaka. I've actually been there. They do do a good pie. The vegetarian pie. And see, I wouldn't have a vegetarian pie either. No. Rangy Bay Bakery. <laughs> How could you? That, see, that just feels like crossing all sorts of lines. Yeah, I mean, nothing against vegetarian people, but I wouldn't put it in a pie. 
no, no, because I feel like that's like the, but no, because you, because you quite often with the saying goes like the meat in the pie, like you, you know that that's the part of the pie, you know that's, yeah. Yeah. Tell us what you think. What, what's your favourite pie? Tell us where you've had a good pie as well. Double eight, double three, early in the morning on a Wednesday. Um, we're going to talk some plenty of things again this morning, Louis. Plenty of Olympics and basketball. My man is going to come on and talk three-on-three basketball, which I'm very excited about. Take the game to the people. Grow the sport of basketball. Bit of rugby, bit of sevens, bit of cricket, bit of racing. Oof. It'll be a good day. Yeah, it will be a good day. Um, we'll talk about the racing after Trudy's news at six thirty. Actually, I, I know yesterday you said that you were a bit of a boxing fan. David Nika put on an absolute clinic yesterday in his uh, his bout against the Moroccan, and it's quite interesting watching um, Olympic boxing. The gloves must be way lighter, right? Because they're kind of hitting each other, but they're not really rocking each other. So it was. I haven't seen too much of it, and it was really curious to watch. And then. This big Moroccan fella's taken a... He's tried to bite David Nika's face. Like, he's literally tried to chew on his cheekbone. That was very strange. Well, he's gone for the Evander Holyfield sort of Mike Tyson. Well, it was Mike Tyson who tried to bite Evander Holyfield, obviously. He's gone for that option, but he, he's actually got nowhere near him as well. Like in terms of execution of a bite, like it's poor. He's missed it by... But he's, missed, got, he's wide of the mark. They've got mouth guards in. How do you how do you bite someone with a mouth guard? Well, no, not with great force, I wouldn't think. You'd have to really sort of lock in there and start tearing. But it, <laughs> it, it just makes no it makes no sense. To, it looked like a bit of a publicity stunt. Well, just, he's he's wh- thinking. What's of, he actually trying to get out of it? Yeah, right. I'm losing here. Why don't I be the Tyson guy? Yeah, yeah, but it was a good win anyway. Dave Nika, but I am a boxing fan, and I noticed overnight as well. I was watching a bit of the the news coming out of um, out of the UK, and Anthony Joshua just putting, trying to put um, Tyson Fury in, Tyson Fury in his place around the challenge um, that he's laid down. So there's the the top end of boxing is pretty strong at the moment, isn't it? When yeah. you think of Joshua and Fury, and you throw Joseph Parker in there as well. You got Deontay Wilder. Um, you know, there's some some pretty good heavyweights bouncing around the scene. Yep, there definitely is, Bez. And and David Nika, well, he just looks professional. He looks like, and he's, you know, it's crazy to think this was his Olympic debut. Um, it's really insane. So he's he's going to be a, a, a real force, and hopefully he can kind of keep carrying that New Zealand flag. The Olympics were, they were fascinating yesterday. The poor sailors, they had an awful goal of it. They were in the water, they were getting DQ'd. And then Luca Jones just couldn't quite hang with the top ladies in the um, the slalom, so no medals. But the sevens that has become a real feature. I'm so glad. I, you know, I'm so glad sevens is an Olympic sport now. I was a little bit skeptical, I must say, a few years back when it was decided. But I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. How fit are those blokes as well? That game is played at such a fast pace, and the hits that they're putting in, and their ability to bounce back up to their feet. So I, I watched the. Probably about three or four games of sevens yesterday as well. I actually watched the Great Britain versus the USA game. And USA went out to a 21-0 lead. And I'm thinking, well, in 15 minutes, surely that's enough. But they got run down by by Great Britain. And that was a pretty impressive performance. And then obviously watched the, 
the All Black Sevens boys put on a bit of a clinic. They look strong, Louis. They look a big chance, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And they got the good side of the draw by coming back from Australia yesterday and making sure they, well, they, they really did make sure of their place leading that pool. So they avoided South Africa, which didn't actually matter because they lost to Argentina with five men. Huge performance by them. And Fiji, well, they wouldn't meet them until the final if all goes well. So they're in the semi-final today against your great British side. And we're going to hear from Scott Waldrum, who actually took over the program after the Rio Olympics. So he understands the program. He's played a lot of sevens. One test all black as well, Scott Waldrum, and allegedly is still playing club rugby. So that could be quite a good chat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that chat, actually. And also to find out what position he's playing, because, of course, he was on the flank, wouldn't he, back in his... his heyday, so it'll be interesting to see at the tender age of 40 if he's maintained that position or he started to move a little closer to the epicentre of the of the scrum and uh, maybe headed, headed slightly in, but it uh, will be good chat. It'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on on how he thinks the, the Sevens boys have been playing and, and whether we've had a bit of a soft kind of entry or, mm. or whether we're just building up nicely as well. So that, I'm looking forward to that chat. We've got a few other good guests on the show too. Today, which will be fascinating to hear from. I'm looking forward to Justin Nelson, the general manager of the National Basketball League, because I've got many a question on three on three basketball, <laughs> opposed to to Justin Nelson. I think we'll he, I think he the, thinks he's coming on to ask you questions. Me being the uh, the correspondent, the three on three basketball correspondent and expert. Yeah, I think he thought this was like a. I pitched it as in, do you want to come and hear some great ideas on three-on-three basketball from the basketball three-on-three doyen? <laughs> well, I sort of, I understand how these kind of shortened sports that get taken to the masses and commercialised in the market. I, I kind of get it. I understand that, that logic. And if that's what we're trying to achieve with three-on-three basketball, Louis, and we're going to start to offer private investment in it, then we're all in, aren't we? I'm sure we could... <laughs> we could Pass the hat around and <laughs> drum up enough enough uh, enough for deposit to try and purchase a team amongst all of us. Yeah, potentially. I mean, my loose change tends to go to pies. This is one way to get the text machine going nice and early. Thank you for texting, everybody. Thank you. Morning, lads. Bacon and salmon pie from Fairly Bakehouse. Can't beat them. Cheers, oh, Aaron Christchurch. Oh, everyone loves a pie. Eh? It's such a good topic. It's 14 minutes past six in the morning when the the text message machine is just flying with recommendations. What's What have we got? Dairy Flat Bakery do a good spiced pork belly pie too. Interesting. Where do you stand on all the, like, the fancy ones, like spiced pork belly? Uh, I don't mind it. At a restaurant, I wouldn't mind a, a fancy pie. But if I'm going to hook in off the road and try and pick up a pie on the run, then I don't need it fancy. I just give me <laughs> steak and cheese yep. or mince and cheese with some tomato sauce and I'll be on my way. 100%. But if I'm going to a restaurant to sit down and have a couple of quiet sherbets and, and uh, you know, a knife and fork pie, then I'm, I'm happy to entertain <laughs> the more sort of, this, uh, the highbrow options. That's, that's such a good way to put it. Pies go in two categories, don't they? Knife and fork pie and road pie. <laughs> Yeah. What about, here's another one. Steak and kidney pie, always referred to as a snake and kidney pie, are always good. Okay. Wild Grain Bakery Silverdale does a great steak and cheese pie too. 
go. What's that? Walkworth, Walkworth. Savon's Bakery and Walkworth. Steak and pepper or steak and cheese. Perfect every time. We really need a bit of a map, don't we? Like a map of New Zealand with these pie locations. I'm sure they've. I'm sure. That, I mean, they feel like that's like the old fish and chip shop situation, and and they should definitely do that for pies. It's a real. They do a good pie. They love meat pies in Australia as well. Meat, it's a real Southern Hemisphere thing, isn't it? Or actually, just a Trans Tasman thing. You don't really get them too far north. Do you? In, in Australia, in, you've spent a lot of time travelling. In the UK, do you come across a good pie? Um. No, not really. No, you're kind of right there, actually. That other subject, the fish and chips, you know, that they're more, that's their caper, isn't it? The fish and chips, they do a good good old-fashioned pub fish and chip feed. Not so much the pies. I think you're right. Southern Hemisphere, I think, is, is real, it's a real strength of ours. I do like fish and chips, too, to be fair. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's and that's that, that's fair enough. Fish and chip pie, Trudy says. I don't know about that. It might be. Imagine a fish and chip pie. <laughs> oh. See, look, now I'm all cheered up. Now I can't even remember the time I was stuck in my jet jacket. Isn't it funny how it's 15 minutes with you, Baz, and that's all. <laughs> We're up and running again. Yeah, we're just getting started. Tomato sauce is a big... I'm a big tomato sauce fan as well. With fish and chips, with pies. I don't even... I don't mind a bit of tomato sauce on my on my lasagna the second day as well, which is a bit controversial, but... That's all right. It's well, very Kiwiana, isn't it? It is very Kiwiana, and the texts still keep flying in, so thank you. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. We'll read those again on the other side. It's coming up to 18 minutes past six. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Izzy's still away today, but we'll be back to talk some more pies and actually Simone Biles after this. 23 minutes past six. Baz and Izzy for breakfast on ECNZ Indeed. Call any time on the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150 811. Please do be in touch. Heaps of texts there. And also via Instagram even. Gee whiz, we're, we're truly global. Via Instagram, Pawapai Tokaramaru's Cafe 35. And, and that's come through as a, a suggestion via Instagram. You can follow our Instagram at SENZ Radio, SENZ-Radio even. Baz, the text, though. It's good to see. Yeah, can you just read that location of that, that one again, please, Louis? Tokamaru's Cafe 35. Where's... Where, okay. Where's that? We're, uh, we've got our people on it. Good man. Good man. Okay, let me read this one. And what about Richie? He is a man after my own heart. There's nothing wrong with tomato sauce on reheated lasagna or pasta bake. But is it Waddies or some other inferior brand? Well, that's up to you, but... The sentiments there. Uh, double mince pie, mash and mushy peas at Kelly's in East London. Bethnan Green? Bethnan Green? Um, and there's one more here as well. Steak, garlic and mushroom in Oxford, Christchurch. Maybe Izzy. That's not far from Izzy, is it? Oxford? No, that's actually... Um, I reckon that's where Peter Fulton's from. Who played his club cricket. Ah, well, that's from Will from Pegasus. Loving the chat, boys. I'm hungry now. <laughs> You're not alone on that one, Will. Starting to get a real, real hunger on. Oh, here we go. So Toka, um, Tokamaru Baybaz yeah. is in, where are we looking at? Like kind of Palmerston. Oh, yeah. It's down on the east coast above Gisborne. 
Oh, right. It's just very coastal. Cafe 35. Yeah, you would have a good parlor pie there. Yeah. No, that's real That's real New Zealand. Yep. Yep. Can verify. Yeah, nice. Nice. What about, um, what about like, a little bit of bread, like white bread, heavily buttered, <laughs> and then you put your pie in the bread, and then, like, you fold it, and then you dip it in the tomato sauce. You know, like, butter almost running down your, <laughs> like running down your hand. So... Is that acceptable? I mean, the short answer is yes, but um, it's getting a little bit carby, isn't it? It's almost getting a little bit too indigestion-y. It's like, you know, when you get fish and chips, one of the first things I do when I get fish and chips, mm. white bread, butter, sauce, chips, chip sandwich, and I don't yep. think I've ever done it without getting that <clears throat> and then having to bang the chest, and I think that's what you're kind of running into with that pie sandwich situation. See, this is where the benefit of experience, just being a little bit older, Louis, you know, what you've got to do is you've got to prepare for these times. You've got to take a low seat just to just to <laughs> mitigate any of the risks involved. <laughs> this should just... <laughs> uh, yeah. that's, that's, that to is... be fair, I, prefer to, I do prefer to drink my carbs normally, but when we're, while we're on the subject of... <laughs> Of pies and fish and chips and white bread. I'm happy to run with it. Just take a little quickies before you give your meal. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. That is veteran-type behaviour, isn't it? Thanks, Skip. Um, just <laughs> taking a very quick break from the pie chat and double eight, double three, please. When, I, when we come back from it, I want to have some more there to read. You guys are absolutely nailing this. Where are the best pies and, and what's, what is a must-have in a pie? Have a listen to this, Baz. This is Simone Biles, who yesterday actually... Well, withdraw herself from the team competition in the gymnastics, I believe. This is a clip of her kind of explaining what happened. I just felt like it would be a little bit better to take a back seat, uh, work on my mindfulness, and I knew that the girls would do an absolutely great job, and I didn't want to risk the team a medal for uh, kind of my screw-ups because they've worked way too hard for that. So I just decided that the, those girls need to go in and do the rest of the competition. So that's the, the, the uh, GOAT of gymnastics just taking herself out of the competition for the betterment of her team in her mind after not feeling too well, um, just feeling a bit of self-doubt. So I know you'll be great on this topic. Any Anything you... Oh, straightaway observations? We'll get into more of it after seven, but straightaway observations? Well, it's, she's a full-time Olympic champion. You've got to add that to the mix. And she's been there and done it many, many times. And this, on this occasion, there is something different about it. And that is exactly what I'm going to get into a little bit later on. I think we're going to do on the charge, Louis, and get right into that subject. And I'm also going to bring up a little bit of Phil Jackson, the great um, Chicago Bulls. Well, all-round NBA coach. He's been successful in various other teams as well. And, of course, coached the Bulls to the dynasty that was the Michael Jordan era. And I've got some quotes for him, which I think are relevant to this exact subject. And it's a subject which I've mentioned a few times already in the last week or so about the COVID situation and how sport is not the same as what it once was and the the um, the challenges that operating in a bubble um, what they bring and for that to have hit at the very top of the tree when it comes to someone who has been there and done it before and won Olympic golds and been through the sacrifices and for her to make a statement like that is quite fascinating. So we'll get into that a little bit later on, but certainly a hot topic. It is a hot topic and just, yeah, piping hot, 
just like this topic. Tokomaru Bay is proud Nati Pro East Coast Country Boys. You've got to get there. Close result for the boys in the Shield game on Saturday. Thank you. Remember, leave your, leave your name when you text. That's great. I love that. Oh, there's a couple of really heartfelt ones here. Baz, Pie Sammy can't beat it. Rip the top off. Bung it in some bread, bit of sauce. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> yeah, good. BMAC, you've nailed it with the Pie Sammy. Cheers, Jace. Baz, the Pie Sammy is the Gizzy Boys high go to. You're on to a winner. You've really connected with Middle New Zealand here, Baz. You are a man of the people. I've always said that about you. Who thought this was a sports show, eh? Who thought? Great interaction. Sports Entertainment Network. New Zealand, SENZ. How good do we go? Baz and Izzy for breakfast on a lovely Wednesday. Plenty of sports to talk about as well. Don't worry about that. We will get to all of that. But news is next with Trudy. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ, 28 minutes from seven on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz, some more texts piling up. Double eight, double three. On the pie chat, we'll get to that in a second. But your home for everything thoroughbred racing is loveracing.nz. And we got more racing at the Cambridge Synthetic today, which we spoke about yesterday, Baz. We absolutely, we're loving it, aren't we? Loving it. Absolutely loving the Cambridge Synthetic. Not just because um, it's where it allows some of our best horses to be able to trial and things at this point in time, but it gives us something to punt on, Louis. Not just winter <laughs> racing. It gives us the opportunity... To punt on something a little bit different. And there's a big day at Cambridge Day. It's a f- their official opening, actually. Yeah. The Cambridge Synthetic Track. Even though they've already had five meetings, today's their official opening. And there's four races worth $40,000 um, in stakes money each. So we're going to speak to Stephen Marsh a little bit later on, who's the Cambridge base horse trainer. Top man. Top, top man. He actually trains a couple of horses for me as well. Louis, and I've actually got one going around this afternoon too. So we might try and see if we're, uh, we're half a chance of that. And I'm getting the lollies later on from Stephen Marsh's barn. Outstanding. He's actually got one I'm pretty keen to have a bet on as well. So we'll ask. Let's hope it's the same one. What's it called? Uh, um, I, I don't know. Are you, are, is your horse going around at odds under $10, Baz? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, not yet anyway, Louis. That's no, all right. Um, no, I'm, I'm, You've got about two hours to get on, everyone, before it does go out odds of under $10. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not disparaging at all. But Marshy's got a good team. Do you know why I reckon it's the actual opening today? It's because they've got Winston Peters on track. And he was instrumental. I mean, he bailed the industry out, really, with 72.5 milli, the 72 milli rack. And, um, you know, they're really indebted to him. It was his, you know, you know when, that, when the last government was formed, Winston Peters, that, that was such a big moment for racing, having him really the king or queen maker. And so he's going to be on track, and they'll pay their respects, and that's great. Former racing minister Winston Peters on track today. And um, we'll be talking more about racing as the show goes on. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing, visit loveracing.nz. They are racing's biggest fan. But back to the pies, please, Baz. Yeah, so we've got another uh, text here. To me, the secret of a good pie isn't just the taste, the flavour, the texture or the fillings. This is great. It's the temperature because the best pies are enjoyed while driving. So nothing worse than a pie that's too hot or falls apart. Cheers, Jay. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. See, the Jimmy's pies down in the South Island are outstanding pies, right? They really are. It's more through like the Central Otago mm-hmm. kind of 
region, Roxburgh and Lawrence and all through there. But the pastry's a little flaky for driving, so it becomes a bit of a hazard. <laughs> so that's more of a pie that if you're going to pull over and you're going to spend a bit of time, you might want to go to the bathroom, recharge the batteries, you know, fill up with some gas, whatever, and then set yourself for another long journey towards kind of Queenstown, or if you want to go north, maybe you're up heading towards Christchurch. But that's where you want to actually spend a bit of time and invest in the memory of a Jimmy's pie. But if you're on the road, there's other alternatives out there, Louis. Dove, um, Jimmy, whoever Jimmy may be, he's done a fantastic job. That That's a real franchise, isn't it? Now it's a real, like a real, I've done supermarketing all through kind of anywhere from Tapa Nui, I think even Gore, all the way up to Omaka. Great country through there, and and um, you won't if you won't hear a bad word said about a Jimmy's pie down there, will you? Well, if we keep talking about, them, they're a big chance of being our, ma- our major sponsor on um, on our three on three basketball franchise. <laughs> which, <laughs> on the front of the shirt, <laughs> Jimmy's. <laughs> the team could be called Jimmy's. <laughs> yeah, when we get a little tomato sauce sponsor as well, I'm sure we can get a bread sponsor. We could. We're a big chance, so we might even be able to balance the books on day one. This is fantastic, Baz. All right. Outstanding. It's 24, 23 and a half minutes away from 7 o'clock on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Coming up very shortly, 0800 150 811 on the Kennards Hire phone line because it's Quizzy Dag, your chance to win a temper pillow valued at $329. It's an awesome prize. Quizzy Dag, I've seen the quiz today. You're going to want to get involved. The Quizmaster, Brendan McCullum, coming up after this. It's Quizzy Dag. Quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 Baz and Izzy for breakfast at 18 minutes away from 7. Izzy, our dear friend, not with us this week, but he'll be back. In the meantime, the quizmaster is Baz McCullum. Yes, I am in that very illustrious chair of asking the quiz, the quizzy dag. Stepping in for Izzy. And we have a few calls to go to. I think we've got John on the line, and I'm going to rip straight into it. John, are you ready for this question? Good morning, by the way. Who has the most international caps in rugby history? Richie. Ah, it's not, unfortunately, John. Thanks for calling, though. It's quite a tough question, actually. Like, I think yesterday we maybe we the questions weren't hard enough. I've had a little look through this quiz. It's quite difficult. The first it's, one. It's kind anyway. of a tough question because. Yeah, well, well, we'll see if we get the answer, then we'll explain. Yeah. But it should be a tough question, too, because you're going to win a temper pillow worth $329. So I, agree. I agree. We don't just want to make it lay down Mazir. It should be difficult. Right, Tim, you're on the line. Yeah, mate. Who has the most international caps in rugby history? Uh, I think it's Owen Jones, isn't it? Well done. 
there we go. That's why it was a tough question, because it wasn't a Kiwi. Isn't that right, Louis? And it has British and Irish Lions test caps tied to it. So I think they're 148, Ellowyn Jones for Wales and Richie McCaw, the All Blacks. But it's the 10 British and Irish Lions caps that get them over. Right, yeah. and now it's second yeah, question. Which horse won it? Sorry, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Who, what, which horse won the Cox played a record four times with the last of them in 2018? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. Sorry, mate. Oh, hard luck. Thanks, mate. Thanks for calling. Mm. Oh, well. Okay, Brenton. Which horse won the Cox hey, played a record four times with the last in 2018? Uh, it's the famous Winx, mate. Good job, Brenton. In which sport is 180 deemed a perfect score? Uh, darts, that would be, mate. Darts. Well done. That's an easy question. Who put that one in? I should have vetted that. <laughs> That's too easy. Um, right, Brenton, and now for the... Oh, what's this one? Oh, yep. Netballer Grace Nawiki. Now, that's my... South Dunedin um, upbringing. Nowicki has just overtaken the record for most shots made in a season with 794. Who does she play for? Oh, not very good at the old netball. Uh, have, a, have a crack. Well, I'll say, I don't even know the teams, mate, to be honest. I'll say the, the Southern Stars, is it? Are they a franchise? Oh, unlucky. Thank you, though. Thanks for calling, Brenton. Jordan, you're not far away from the end, mate. Can you get this one? Netballer Grace Nowicki has just overtaken the record for most shots made in a season with 794. Who does she play for? Um, oh, it's that Auckland franchise. Is it um, the Stars? No, unfortunately. Thanks for calling, though, Jordan. Oh, we're just proving to be a little difficult today, aren't we? We, we are. Oh, we actually need the callers. Oh, 800, 150811. We've actually run through our, our field here. So you've all you've got is two questions to go. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to remind us of this, that my, my quiz has been a bit more difficult than his one. We might even, I'll tell you what, we, we might even beat the music bit at this stage. You've got a minute 16 to go. Right. Who well, do we have on the, the line? Who do we have there, Kieran? Which one? Tim. Okay. Tim. It, Tim, you're two questions Mystics? away from glory. Yes, yep. it is the Northern Mystics. Well done. Right. Out of Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, who has won more NBA championships? Um gonna say Kobe. Boom, there we go. Kobe Bryant's won five and LeBron James won three. Kobe did win five. Congratulations, Tim. You are the winner of that $329 temper pillow that has come in your way. Awesome. Well done, Tim. I well just done. thought it just occurred to me, Baz, if, if Tim got that wrong, the next person on the line, <laughs> they would have had to have done something seriously bizarre to lose. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to... Well, we were going to end the quiz there, and the pillow was going to make its way to Matamata, actually. So. 
Yeah. You, always, you can never have enough temper pillows, you know. <laughs> That's, that is what they say. <laughs> 12 minutes away from seven. That was Quizzy Dag. Well done, Tim. Excellent work. Up after this, it's Justin Nelson. We're talking three-on-three three hoops. We're pitching the dream. Seven minutes away from seven. Seven minutes away from Trudy with the news. But... Get in touch, actually, at any stage. 0800-150-811 on the Kennards Hire phone line. We'd love to hear from you this morning. We really would. It's been awesome to see you all contributing to the show via the text machine, double eight double three. But please give us a call. In the meantime, Baz, we're going to talk something that's very close to your heart, some three-on-three basketball. Yeah, that's right. You would have noticed that this week I've grown a bit of affinity for, of all things, three-on-three basketball. It's taken my eye at the Olympics. It looks a, it looks a sport is moving forward for kids in New Zealand to be involved with. Justin Nelson is a man when it comes to organised hoops in New Zealand. He's the general manager of the National Basketball League, which has just wrapped up for another season. And Justin joins us on the line this morning. Good morning, Justin. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm pretty excited, mate. I've been fizzed about three-on-three basketball all week. It's been a sport which... <laughs> It looks like it's a 2020 kind of version when it comes to cricket of uh, of basketball. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our whole tagline for 3x3 is it's fast, furious and physical, and that's exactly what the game is about. It's uh, breakneck speed. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's um, it's actually pretty pretty hard to play. It's, it's a very physical game. The players feel it for sure. So it's called 3x3. Is that the actual uh, how we... Us basketball folk are going to turn it three x three. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. FIBA uh, uh, changed it uh, a couple of years ago to three x three as opposed to five aside. That they're the official terminologies of the two games. So yeah, three x three. Some incredible nuance here, Justin. That's why we had to get a man with a big reputation like yourself <laughs> on to clear it up for us. What are the what are the key different? What are the other key differences? Um, between regular basketball, because the rumour mill's been swirling around here, they actually use a smaller ball. Yeah, they use a size 6 ball that's weighted to a size 7 ball. So therefore, the same ball is used for men's and women's competition. So a little bit smaller in the hands of the men and a little bit heavier in the weight for the women. So same ball across both genders. does take a little bit of time for the players to get used to. Uh, it's a bit of a different feel. A uh, lot quicker shot clock, so you've got to get your shot off uh, quicker. And the physicality, uh, the referees let a lot more contact uh, happen in the game as well. So they're probably the big three key differences. I'll let Baz ask you about how much and who is actually playing it in New Zealand. My main pressing question is, why didn't Slovenia send Luka Doncic to the Olympics to play three-on-three <laughs> three and just win a gold? I can't work it out. He could play both very, very easily, couldn't he? And uh, he probably would get a gold in both. He's an amazing player. Hmm. So how do we get involved in 3x3 basketball in in New Zealand? Is it a league which is developing? Is it already in existence and and it's sort of up and running? Or is it pretty pretty new? And, And how do we get involved? Yeah, I think the 3x3 format is one where you can grab a, a you know a few mates and, and and go down to an outdoor court and play anywhere. I mean, that's the beauty of the sport, and that's why it's taken off around the world, especially in so many developing countries as well. Um, you know, lesser lesser number of people needed and uh, and a smaller court. Um, so certainly, it's one of those sports that you can go out and play at just about at any time with anyone. I think for us here in New Zealand, uh, it's growing quickly. 
um, for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, one is it's it's you know new and exciting for the kids, and the kids love it. But also the National Basketball League, we have our own three x three season now, which will start in October this year. Uh, again, there's 20 teams, 10 men, 10 women. And for the first time ever, those teams will actually be selected by a draft later this month. So new and exciting, different. Kids are engaging with it. And it's one of those sports that's going to keep increasing in popularity. So is it? So it's currently run by the New Zealand Basketball, Associa- uh, New Zealand Basketball Association or League. So it's not, a, it's not a privately owned franchise competition. No, it's not. I mean, there's 35, 36 basketball associations for the the community. Bears, this is about uh, the community, mate, not your wallet. Just get your head out of the gutter. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Well, having said that, that, if you do register for the uh, NBL draft, you might get drafted by one of our uh, NBL teams. So (laughs) you never know. There is is hope for you. (laughs) Justin, we've we've never met, but unless you... I'm four foot something, so <laughs> basketball is is not on my agenda, unfortunately. As much as I love watching the game, and I have become a avid fan of 3x3 basketball over the last week or so, unfortunately, I'm just a little vertically challenged. Yeah, well, even the shortest uh, of us, and I'm, I'm not far off you, provided you can uh, uh, put up some shots even from distance in 3x3, uh, all the points count, so you never know, there might be a chance for you yet. Yeah. There you go, Bears. That's what you want to hear, mate. Don't give up on your dream just yet. Thank you, Justin. You've done a fantastic job with the Sales NBL this year. Again, you guys did a great job. Congratulations to the Saints. Well done. Thanks for coming on and enlightening us about the uh, the 3x3 world of New Zealand. Uh, good on you guys. My pleasure. And, uh, yeah, it was a great season, the Sales NBL. And we'll be back out there again with the women in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. There you go. Justin Nelson, the GM of, of the NBL in New Zealand, does a fantastic job. He's a great advocate for basketball. And Baz, the dream's not over, although I don't think that was the answer you were, you were quite looking for. I think you were looking for a business opportunity rather than a, a, <laughs> a draft opportunity. Anyway, it's McCafe time for us. We're going to go have a little breather on the other side. Well, we've got heaps to talk about. A lot of rugby. The Bledisloe's going ahead. Bledisloe won at least. Robert Van Royen of Stuff in the Press is going to join the show. Then Scott Waldrum, former All Black, former All Black Sevens player and coach. He's going to tune in to talk about the All Black Sevens and what they're up to. In the meantime, it is Trudy with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Morning, all of Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It's Wednesday, the 28th of July, and it's just after 7 in the morning. No Izzy this morning. He is with his family and celebrating the life of his wonderful mother, and he'll be back next week. So I'm joined by Louis, and it is a privilege to be sharing the morning with you guys. Give us a call at any stage as well on any topics that we chat about or you want to bring to us on 0800 150 or send us a message on double eight double three. The text machine has been flying this morning with talk of pies all around New Zealand, but we'll talk way more serious issues as we get on throughout the day, Louis. Yeah, one of those being, Baz, Elon Musk. Uh, last week we talked a little about Jeff Bezos. Elon Musk, give you another mate of yours with the Cybertruck. <laughs> yeah. Another mate of mine. Well, and, and if he's keen to invest in a 
privatised franchise 3x3 basketball league, then he could become a mate of mine, yeah, but not right at this point in time. We're, we're on probably opposite sides of the, uh, of the ledger when it comes to many, many things. But I did read the other day, if you had a bought, I think it was about 20 years ago or 15 years ago, if you had a bought a Tesla for $40,000, that Tesla would now be worth about 15000 Whereas if you had a bought $40,000 worth of Tesla shares, they'd be worth about $15 million, something like that. So, wow, that's actually quite that's quite poetic in a way, isn't it? It's quite fascinating. Yeah, well, he's a, I guess he's another pretty unrelatable yeah, bloke. I guess the theory there is that we can have material goods, or we can invest in our future. Now, you know what sort of bloke I am, Louis. I quite like to live in the present, my friend. Uh, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Correct. A wonderful saying. From Gilbert Anoka, actually, he was the one who taught me that saying, and he is going to join us on the show later in the week. So things just seem to segue into one another. Wow. Speaking of that, Gilbert Anoka will be hoping the All Blacks can play a bit of rugby this year, Baz, and we're going to talk rugby right now. Yes, we are. I look forward to talking rugby as well. It's good. We've got, um, what have we got? We've got, we got a bleeders Yes, he is on the line. Phew. Yeah, we have got a bleeders as well. That's right. Sorry, I'm just going to read a little intro for everyone as well. The resurgence of the COVID pandemic in New South Wales is creating headaches for many. New Zealand rugby firmly included in that group. Yesterday brought a step forward, though, as Bledisloe 1 in New Zealand was greenlit by the government as the Wallabies were granted an exemption to enter on the premise of economic impact to the host region, which is estimated at around $20 million. That's all about... That's about all we know for now. Robert Van Royen is excellent rugby journalist for the press and stuff, and he joins us now on SENZ on the Baz Nizzi Show for breakfast. G'day, Robert. G'day, mate. How's things? Good. Uh, can you make sense of all of this for me? Because it seems a, it's a little confusing, the whole process for uh, for NZ Rugby to wade through. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's they've got a bit of a minefield to gate through, and it, well, at this stage, that you, what you've just said is yes. For the first test, all we know right now of the seven tests, the Bledisloe Rugby Championship test, they're down to play only one screen, and that's at Eden Park. Um, I mean, we're in an odd position, essentially, there with this travel bubble pause, where we're essentially on rugby. Uh, hoping that New South Wales and Australia can get on top of COVID and shut down that community transmission. If not, and that bubble's extended, they're looking at seven to eight weeks in Australia, um, and they're going to go from hosting seven... Sorry, hosting four tests... Um, seven tests, sorry, but potentially only hosting two in the Bledisloe Cup. So um, it's a very tricky situation for them, and... By the end of this week, we're potentially going to know a little bit more, and that's that the Wellington test, which was scheduled for August 28, um, it's going to be dragged forward um, to probably the 14th. But they want to play that one in Wellington, and this is where it gets more tricky. There's a BFS scheduled uh, at Sky Stadium that, that weekend. So, <laughs> so you know, they're, they're, now they're dealing with stadiums and... Um, they might they, look. They might play that game on a Sunday. They've said they can't play it on the Friday because the BFS as well. Uh, and then they'll head to Perth. No matter what that Perth test, we know that's essentially locked in on the twenty first as well. All but and that's because Rugby Australia have sold that out sixty thousand out the stadium. They won't budge. They need the money. So 
no matter what, what, what another thing we pretty much know, again, not 100% greenlit, but Chris Lindrum from New Zealand Rugby has said that when they head to um, Australia for that Perth test, they are definitely, almost definitely going to have to play Argent- the two games we're meant to play Argentina at home. Now, they were September 11, September 18, Eden Park, Wellington. They will be played in Australia. Again, no venues uh, confirmed. They're going to have to sort things through that with Australia. Um, so they, those tests are almost certainly going to be played in Australia because, look, what the reality is we can't get Argentina into New Zealand. So. Man, this is, a, this is a total minefield, Robert. No, you kind of need an abacus to even start working this out, and then that's just that's just half the battle with the date. So, so yeah, we're going to have to give Grant Elliott some, <laughs> a bit of a hard go after eight bears, a beer fest, getting it. That, could you pick a more Wellington thing just to happen at the worst possible time, a beer fest? It's a bit of a nightmare. So yesterday's news that the, the Bledisloe, so the Wallabies can actually come in for these two tests, it's a good thing, and they, they've done it on economic impact, haven't they? Around $20 million for the host region for each one. But that's kind of surface level, because as you've just pointed out, you dig a bit deeper, and this just must be headaches galore in, in uh, NZR Central. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the, the, the issue is, at the moment, the, the bubble pause, eight weeks, that takes us through to September 17. So that's a week, essentially, before you, uh, the All Blacks are scheduled to host South Africa, now, they're hosting them in Dunedin on September 25 and then the following week, October 2, Eden Park. And that's first test in Dunedin. That's the 100th test between the teams. Mm. Massive game. Obviously, it'd be a great um, experience under the roof. Now, that game, again, if the bubble pause isn't extended, then uh, sure, they could get in a week earlier. But look, let's look right now, when you look at what's happening in New South Wales, and then when you take into account Deputy Prime Minister Grant Robertson a couple of days ago quoted as saying the reopening of the bubble will be all or nothing from in the future. It won't be. They're not going to reopen to certain states. So you can forget about that. Um, so, I mean, right now you'd have to say it's, it's hard to see that bubble reopening with, unless things improve rapidly uh, in time for them to get back to New Zealand and play those tests against South Africa. So, you know, they were meant to host South Africa in two tests, Argentina two tests, um, and then we had Australia. So, sorry, you know, they've gone from potentially hosting those. Uh, we've got, still going to host Australia two, twice, it looks like. I mean, that, that Wellington test was initially scheduled for August 28th. So that's, good. that's what I mean. It's being dragged forward to that weekend around the 14th of August. So they weren't meant to be playing that weekend. And then off to Australia they go. And it's going to, no matter what, they're going to be there for at least four, um, potentially seven, eight weeks. You've got to feel for Ian Foster and his, his coaching staff as well. After all the disruptions of last year, they would have just loved a, a settled schedule to be able to, you know, uh, be able to find some cohesion and, and, um, and allow them to make a few statements under his coaching regime. It must be very difficult for, for Foster and, and the like. Yeah, for sure. And I guess New Zealand rugby, I mean, it was a bit of a, a bonanza. I mean, hosting, normally, you, you know, the whole rugby championship and and Bledisloe, predominantly in Australia and in New Zealand, that's, that's where it was this year. And not, not so you're getting those extra games by hosting Argentina and South Africa twice. Um, you know, after last year's year, you sort of thought, well, this is New Zealand rugby would have been you know, rubbing their hands together and thinking it was fantastic. And then the bubble pops, and um, he's got a it's, a it's a different situation. And you're right, yeah, you're gonna have to. It's gonna be a tricky year. They're not gonna have the home comforts. 
Hey, you're quite close to Razor Robertson down there, uh, Robert, geographically, obviously, and you see a fair bit of him. He, he re-signed. Um, what's the mood down there in Crusaderland, and uh, Razorland, we'll call it? Is it, you know, is he circling? Are the Sharks circling, or is he just playing it one step at a time? Uh, no, I think he's, yeah, he's probably playing it one step at a time. I think, I think he knows, and I think most people know that, you know, even though Ian Foster hasn't been re-signed yet, it's, it's, it's more than likely, it's very likely he's, you know, Razor's going to have to wait until the next World Cup. So, yeah, the, it's just, I think and he's, he's basically said that, look, and I think most people down here, especially when you want to talk about Crusaders fans, they, they probably see a lot of them, while they'd like to see him close to the All Blacks, they're also seeing it as a bit of a yeah, it's a win for them that he's still going to be here coaching the Crusaders. And, you know, obviously, if he goes to the All Blacks, they lose him in that regard. So, no, I don't think so. I think he's pretty well. I mean, look, unless, unless Ian Foster loses the Bledisloe uh, and, and doesn't win the rugby championship, and, and, yes, potentially those objectives have gotten a little harder now with what's happening with the, the travel bubble, um, it's very unlikely New Zealand don't. New Zealand rugby don't re-sign Ian Foster. It is looking like that's a very good point. Hey, yesterday we had Sir John Kerwin on the line. We'll leave you with this one, Robert. Just a bit of fun, a little bit of a, a thought uh, a thought exercise. He was talking about the greatest ever All Blacks 15. So I want to know from you before you go, on the spot, you're an intelligent bloke, number one name down on paper in a in an All Blacks all-time 15, who would it be and then who would be captaining your side? Uh, um, um, I'm simply going to go with, Two names come to mind, but the first one is Richie McCaw. Um, I'm going to go, and, and he'd be he'd be a skipper as well. Look, he's the goat, isn't he? Uh, all time, all time, yeah, outstanding. You need you need an outstanding seven like that, and he's just a great leader. Richie McCaw, the goat. Nice. Ian Smith wasn't so sure, which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, That's the beauty okay. of this, right? We all have our yeah, we all have our opinions. For the for the record, I'm also with you, Robert. He would be my number seven and captain. But who good are man, we to discuss? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The voice of sport. It's a this is a great poll. <laughs> it's a good one. We should we should invite some we should invite some uh, some texts from from everyone out there as well. Double eight double three. Tell us who you would have as your All Blacks captain and a greatest all time fifteen. But thank you very much for joining us as well, Robert. And uh, it is many things in front of uh, New Zealand rugby, which uh, they're going to have to sort out in the next little while. And COVID continues to be a problem for sport all around the world and for the programming and and the processing of things and trying to get a schedule on the table. And I don't envy the New Zealand Rugby Association, uh, Louis, to try and pull all this together. Nor the players, Bears. Um, nor the players, because you're about to talk about Simone Biles after this, and and she's pulled out, and the mental strain that is going on. And you've been in a bubble, you understand what it's like. It's the new reality of sport. But if they have to go and they don't know when they're coming back, and as Robert pointed out, it realistically could be two months on the road. A lot of these guys, you just think about the natural evolution of you know, you know, twenty, thirty year olds. I've got young families. It's tough, and. Um, yeah, it's hard to know because there's no answers, right? So that's kind of the hardest thing about it, Baz. But after this, we're going to dig into that a bit more. Simone Biles withdrew yesterday, citing that she didn't want to let her teammates down, but her mental health hasn't been superb. So we're going to dig into that. Baz is going to go on the charge, but you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast, minus the Izzy this week, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.
21 minutes past seven on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. 0800 150 811 is the Kennard's Hire phone line. Please get in touch at any stage if any of this piques your interest. In particular, Baz is going to go on the charge here. We're going to hear about Simone Biles and the mental strain that goes on these athletes being away from home. So please get in touch. Until then. That's That's beautifully timed. He absolutely pummeled that. Baz is on the charge. Yeah, Simone Biles, a, a really hot topic overnight. The four-time Olympic champion has pulled out of the team finals event, citing uh, mental health challenges and needing to look after her mindfulness. Now, I think this is a really, really hot topic, not just in sport um, right now, but but especially because of the COVID situation. These current-day athletes are operating in bubbles. Now, the challenges that come with bubbles uh, remain to be seen a real impact, in my opinion, long-term on on these athletes because the, the the notion of playing or wanting to be a, a top-end athlete is not just because um, of the game, but also because, or not, not because of the riches that come with the game. It's for the game itself and also the fact that you're able to travel the world, experience some great things, and you, you can put that in your, um, in your, down in your career as, as some, some wonderful experiences. Let me try and read something from Phil Jackson, who I think is one of the most amazing coaches that we've ever seen in the sport of the NBA. He said, some people say that people are motivated by one of two force, one or two forces, fear and greed. That may be true, but also think that people are motivated by love. Whether they're willing to acknowledge it or not, what drives most sportsmen is not all women, is not the money or their adulation, but their love of the game. They live for the, those moments when they can lose themselves completely in the action and experience the pure joy of competition I try and sum it up in in another way and say you play for the little boy or little girl who fell in love with the game now I think that's what every sports person is fundamentally the reason why they're playing the game, the other things which come with it are just byproducts but what's now been questioned because of the the, uh, heightened pressures of operating in a bubble is that that now the enjoyment of the game is starting to starting to go out of these sports people. And when you've got one of the, the greatest Olympians who has been there and done it and has faced the challenges which come with operating at the top level, has faced those before and succeeded, has overcome them, and now in this, this situation in Tokyo 2020, which has been played in 2021, is now suffering from these challenges of dealing with operating or performing, trying to perform whilst in a very tight-knit bubble. There is no opportunity to go down the road and grab yourself a feed. There is no chance to go out and immerse yourself in the culture of the country which you are now touring. It is literally hotel, ground, hotel, pool, ground, pool, hotel. That is it. There is nothing else. So now the pressures of playing are so have become so much more heightened that we are going to see so many more of these situations where the mental health of these athletes is going to come under severe pressure. So, look, there is an old-school way of thinking that you should get on with it, and then there is a new age thinking of accepting that people are different and the challenges that people are going through in their own mental health are are very, very tough. Now, I'm not a mental health sufferer, but I do believe the problem is real, and I think it needs sensitivity, and also think in and around this COVID situation, we need to increase that sensitivity. So... Look, good on Simone Bowles for making a stand. Um, it is would have been a very difficult decision for her, um, but she's made that decision and she 
to me looked like she was at peace with that with that decision. I'm interested in to hear what you guys want to think uh, what you guys think about it. Should we just play on or should we actually understand that these athletes are going through some tough stuff as well? So give us a call 0800 150 811 or send us a message on double eight double three Louis. Well, I think oh, I'm curious to from your perspective, do you think we're going to see more and more of it? Because I think about Naomi Osaka in the French Open where she decided that speaking to media after she wasn't going to do her media obligations because it created anxiety, it made her feel uncomfortable and she was putting herself in a position where she and she, fi- she felt, and this is where the modern day athlete, this is becoming more normalised because it is in society because as you point out, even if you don't suffer, we are starting to acknowledge that this is real and people do need help with this stuff. So as it becomes more normalised, we will naturally see more and more of it. So I, I think if we don't start accepting that this is a real thing, well, we're just going to get stuck in the times, aren't we, Baz? And, and I, I kind of wonder whether you're only letting yourself down if you don't understand that this is real for people. Absolutely, and and especially if you're a parent and you've got an aspiring um, you know, uh, boy or girl who wants to be um, an international sportsman of uh, sportsman or sportswoman of some kind, that they are going to have to suffer these pressures and these challenges moving forward. And it might not be them; it might be their teammates, and that brings about its own challenges to try and support these people along the road. So it is very, very real. It, it certainly is, and I just the COVID situation, mate, has just heightened it to any sorts of standards because you literally cannot move, mate. You cannot go anywhere, and I've been a part of. Uh, well, I've done five quarantines now around the world. I've done one in Trinidad, I've done one in the UAE, um, one in India and two in New Zealand now. And and I don't mind my own company, but it is a very, very difficult situation, particularly if you're someone who needs to be in and around people and, and you need to be able to get out and experience things. And the freedom that comes with normal day life is just simply not there right now for any of these sports people. So it is very difficult. I don't know the answer, um, but... I think understanding that it, that there is challenges is the first step along that road. So what do you think then about texts like this on double eight double three? Oh, poor All Blacks. They need to suck it up. It's minor compared to the three teams that play in the Aussie competitions because lots of people will feel that way. That's right. And that, I guess that is the old school type of thinking. But look, I think we've moved on from that would be my, that's my feeling. I think people in society are doing some wonderful things like Mike King is doing some amazing stuff for, for mental health as well. And, and I think it's not just, you know, sports people are not, they're not robots, you know. They, they also go through the same kind of things and, and almost can be heightened because of the pressures of it too. So, look, that's that will be the sentiment from some parts of, of New Zealand and they're entitled to that opinion, no doubt. Um, but I'm firmly in the, uh, the we, we should have understanding camp rather than that old school mentality. I guess the other the other point that I kind of take from the Simone Biles situation is you can be as strong as you like. You can be the greatest of all time. You can flip more than anyone. You can be an Olympic gold medal lock. But if you don't feel right, you don't feel right. And your physical attributes have nothing to do with your mental ones, really. Yeah, and you can't fake that. That's, and that's what she's effectively said today is she tried and she tried to suppress it and she tried to fake it, but she couldn't. And so hence... In a team sport, she didn't feel that she would do her her teammates justice if she tried to, to put up that front, and hence she made that decision to pull out.
Well, what do you think? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five zero eight eleven. Simone Biles, fair enough. Play on, or does it worry you that this is happening more and more? It's a kind of a sensitive one, but I'm curious to know how you perceive these issues and if you're sympathetic to these athletes. After hearing everything Brendan's just explained there about the time they're spending in quarantine, the modern the pressures on a modern day athlete at the top level it is very curious. Double eight, double three. What do you think? News is next with Trudy. Thanks to Kubota, though. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Back after this. Well, speaking of goats, Cam Smith, he certainly is one. At 28 minutes away from eight, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Israel Dag, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately he's with his family and his loved ones this week, spending some time after the passing of his beloved mother. So we'll have Izzy back in no time at all. Thoughts and prayers are with you, our bro. But Baz is here, and he's just gone on the charge about Simone Biles. So the breaking news there, well, not necessarily breaking news, but the news through, the sports news through about Simone Biles. We are used to perfection from her, but the American superstar sparked concerns on Tuesday night when she pulled out just minutes into the women's team gymnastics final in Tokyo. So I guess you might think she's letting down her team. Her reasons were she wasn't feeling right, and she didn't want to let them down. So quite the opposite and Baz, you've just explained that maybe we need to be a bit more sympathetic to these modern-day athletes. Well, I think so. There's an interesting text here which has come in. There's no name attached to it, but with all due respect, Baz, if I was on your fat, big, fat paycheck for a few weeks' work in the IPO, I'd be happy to quarantine. No sympathy here. Well, I'm not sure that's really what I was saying. I think I was more saying that I'm not a mental health sufferer myself, but I understand that um, things can be very difficult for those who do. And this COVID situation has heightened the the mental health challenges. And for your information as well, there is a chance that I might not go to the IPL this year because of the time, the extra time away, because we can't get back into our country. Our uh, MIQ situation is is such that um, that it's jammed to the boards and, and there's simply no space available. So to go on the road and not know when you're going to come home is is not really my kind of caper um, as much as the money may be great um, I value and respect my family time and uh, and my obligations as a as a father of three so I um, feel free well, why don't you call in actually rather than just send a text give us a call and you and I can have a little debate about it if you want and I can maybe explain some of the aspects of quarantine and 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 the IPO and and we can have a chat feel free 0800 150 811 more than willing to talk through any situation on Baz and Izzy for breakfast, Louis. Yes, we certainly are. It's very, very good of you, uh, Baz. Now, there's a couple of texts here. Give, just give them an exemption. This is the All Blacks for the All Blacks to come straight back from Perth. Well, it's not necessarily the All Blacks coming home. It's actually the Argentine and the South African teams coming into New Zealand. They are doing their quarantine in uh, Australia, and I don't know if the exemptions would stretch that far, and I just don't think that's the writing on the wall just yet. And the other text here, morning lads, I'm a bit late joining today. Have you chatted about the RG's effort in the sevens last night with only six players due to a red card for most of the game? It was bloody brilliant. And then they played the last few seconds with only five. No name on the text. Please put your names on the text because it was a hell of a game, Baz. It was an excellent game, and that, that they've knocked the Springboks Sevens team off, which are a perennial gold medal threat. There's a few great games. The that game um, in itself, but also 
I thought the um, the Great Britain versus the US uh, US of A game was outstanding as well. So some really good sevens played last night. The Kiwi boys look like they're pretty strong, and we're going to speak to Scott Waldrum soon, who was the former coach of the New Zealand sevens team, one Test All Black and current uh, rugby player still operating in his 40s. So I'm looking forward to chatting to him, and he'll let us know whether our New Zealand sevens team are, in fact, the real deal and they will go all the way in the Olympics towards that gold medal. So looking forward to that chat very soon. And just before we do head off to Scott Waldron, we've asked for your text, so I better read it. Hey, guys, I fully agree with the mental illness, but illness, but she has let her team down big time. And saying that, if she is not thinking straight but do feel she may look back on that in years to come with that and have a big effect on her, Brenton, Yes, Brenton, it's not, it wouldn't have been an easy decision. So I understand that you, you kind of, your gut is that she might have let her team down, but if she wasn't feeling right, it's a really tough one. It's an impossible one, really, to uh, look at, looking at that from the outside in. But I appreciate you coming through on double eight, double three. It is 23 minutes away from eight o'clock. Scott Wooljum talking more rugby sevens after this on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Scott Waldrum coming up in just a second, 18 minutes away from eight, but the Kennards Hire phone line is always there, 0800 150 811, and we've got Ando who's called through to talk some mental health. Morning, Ando. Morning, fellas. How are we? Yep, very good. You've got, you heard what Baz had to say on the Simone Biles situation, and you got some thoughts? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. Like, um, obviously, it's a... a sensitive issue that is becoming more prevalent. Um, but I guess you have to wonder if she must have had some doubts going in into the event. And um, I guess the question is if, if she pulled out up like just after she started, why didn't she do so beforehand if she knew it was going to uh, affect the team? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's really... That is an interesting point. Why would you... And I guess that's the one of the issues around team sport is, well, you've let your team down. Well, I guess she would probably not have operated in such a tight bubble leading into um, the Olympics. So maybe she didn't quite understand the how how those pressures would mount on her so quickly. That's, that's all I can guess. But it is a good point that when you're playing a team sport in particular, are you letting your team down by by sort of deserting the ship halfway through. But I guess her point, which she was trying to make too, was that she didn't feel she was going to be able to perform for her team. So, in fact, her um, presence in that final, uh, in the team finals event, would have, in fact, been counterproductive for her side. But a really good question. Thank you. Ando on the road on the Kennards Hire phone line. 0800 150 any time. But it's time to talk some sevens, Baz. Yeah, well, the Sevens the sevens boys have been doing everything right so far this time around at the Olympics, and last night they dealt to Canada 21-10, and they have qualified for the semifinals where they'll play Great Britain. They've managed to avoid Fiji on their side of the draw. Now, one man who spent a lot of time playing, watching, and coaching Sevens is the former player and coach, Scott Waldrum. Good morning, Scott. Morning, guys. How's it going? Excellent. Now, tell me, are these fellas the real deal, or have we have we been on the soft side of the draw? No, I mean it's it's certainly a good team. It's an experienced team. There's some some good young talent in there, mixed with some of those old heads with Mickelson and Curry and 
um, and Collier and stuff. So you know, it is it is a good team and it's probably a, a pretty grounded team. Um, you know, there's obviously as Kiwis we always have pretty high expectations um, on on our rugby guys and all that. But um, I think going into Rio, we obviously we we pretty much demanded gold. You know, we thought it was in the bag. Um, where these guys know they're going to have to work to get it, and um, we all know how Fiji are so good at, at seven. So um, you know, I, I think it's a good a good team, and I think they're in a good headspace. And um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a big game um, coming up to, this afternoon at two o'clock. What what is it about sevens that that drew you in, mate? Because it just looks like a punishing type of game, and it's just so <laughs> fast. You got to be so strong and. They just uh, their lungs look like they're bleeding at the end of it. What exactly drew you into it? Mate, I think it was probably because I was so small, and uh, obviously a love for rugby. But fifteens, um, I was I was struggling with the the physicality a bit, so sort of running around and all that sort of suited me. But I mean, it, it's a it's a great game. Um, it's a great version of the game. You know, all your skills are put to the test in such a, a wider space and right out in the open. You know, you know, you can get away with a couple of knock-ons in fifteens where you're in sevens. You know that that could be the turning point for your for your game. So it's, it's certainly such a high pressure and a, an open and expensive game. Um, but you're dead right. It is it's brutal. And some of these tough games, you know, going for seven minutes um, just absolutely ruins you. So I can understand why it takes three days to get through so many games. How, how long does it take you to get over a game of club footy these days, Scott? Because you're still going around by, <laughs> by, by all accounts. <laughs> mate, uh, mate, it takes me six and a half days. I, I come off one game, try to rest for the next uh, six and a half, and slowly get going on the following Saturday. So, um, mate, I'd hate to try and put myself through some of those games these days. What, what position are you playing these days in club footy, Scott? Oh, I'm actually playing um, the the 85s um, weighted grade. So I'm just tipping the scales at about 84. So I'm feeling like a big guy. For once, and I'm actually playing number eight, so um, trying to trying to live the glory of my my younger brother in his position. Um, I'm, I'm not quite fit <laughs> enough and uh, mobile enough these days to play sevens. Too much running, chasing all these all these little quick guys. This is brilliant. So you're a former a former All Black is now playing under 85s, and my brother is is a former cricketer, and he's playing under 85s. But I don't reckon he's under eighty-five kilos. So, are you in that questionable mark as well, or are you sort of? Are you, is your weight legit? <laughs> no, no. So we, we get weighed. We get weighed about uh, forty-five minutes before every game, um, and then there's, there's certainly, especially for the big games, the teams are making sure it's, it's done right. And we've even had the the rugby union in the one game to with their big flash scales to make sure everyone was the right weight. So. <laughs> To be fair, I have to work. I have to work pretty hard to get uh, to make sure I'm under, and then sort of watch what I eat during the week. Because normally, after sort of watching what I eat uh, all week on Saturday and Sunday, I just have an absolute blowout and burgers, chips, and biscuits <laughs> and everything. So I've got to got to work it all off again. So. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. You're like a jockey coming back to the scales or wasting away trying to make weight in the week. I love that. I absolutely love it, Scott. Hey, just quick, back to the sevens quickly. What were the what were the major work-ons coming out of Rio that you've seen improve to where the guys are at at the moment? 
I, th- I think from Rio was a, obviously you know Titch was there for so long and he had his style of play and he had his um, the way he wanted things done. So it's it's a it's a much different team culture for starters um, that's involved there. I think it's a it's a different way of playing as well. Um, there's a lot more freedom um, for the guys to sort of try different things and and everything. So you know it, it, to be fair, it's, it is a whole new. Um, uh, culture and a whole new way of playing you know, that they've got at the moment, and it's 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 weird though at the moment. Like I said in another a previous interview, you know, normally we've got all these tournaments, the World Series built up. You've played Hong Kong, um, you know, you, you get a bit of time to feel each other out through the year and um, and everything like that. Where no one's hardly played, you know, everyone's played a couple of practice tournaments, so you know, to, to say that everyone's pretty underdone going into this um, Olympics is, is probably a fair call, so I mean, it's going to be come down to the team that, that really just gets it right on the day, I think, and New um, Zealand were lucky against Aussie, but um, a lot better against Canada, but I mean, I didn't I didn't think Canada offered that much, they, they showed they hadn't played a lot and they seemed to really struggle, and it wasn't until the end of the game where they actually sort of came alive. But by then, it was it was too little, too late. But you know, the Fijians they play a lot of a lot of sevens at home and all that. So you know, they're they're probably the ones who are looking the best at the moment. But you know, New Zealand's got the potential to do it, and um, you know, I really hope they do. Well, we might have you back on the phone in the morning then, Scott, to talk about a famous gold medal, but it is um, it is exciting. It's, is it pretty surreal for you seeing that it, still having the sevens at the Olympics? Like, you grew up loving the game and watching and playing at the Olympics. It's cool, eh? I mean, it's awesome, man. It's, it's such a lucky experience for those guys that are getting to experience now. And, I mean, that goes for all sports. You, you know, the Olympics are certainly growing and changing. I mean, my uh, 11-year-old boy... Um, all he wants to do is watch the skateboarding at the Olympics. So, you know, who would have thought skateboarding was going to be a, an Olympic sport and some of the other stuff that's sort of slowly been introduced. So, you know, it, it's a it's an, an awesome opportunity. It's great for the game of sevens as well. Outstanding. Scott Waldrum, uh, former All Black, former All Black sevens player and coach post the Rio, giving his insights into that. And also, under 85 rugby, we're going to have to get Mattress on the blower <laughs> at some stage, Baz, because some serious concerns are being raised about the state of the legitimacy of his weight. So we'll track that down at some stage. It's nine minutes to the hour. We're back after this with In the Sheds. Anything you want to know from Brendan McCullum's playing days? Anything at all? Give us a text, double eight, double three. Any of the old dirty secrets, we'll find them out after this. In the Sheds with Baz and Izzy. Yes, we're going in the sheds with just Baz today because I've got no shed for you to come into at four minutes away from eight <laughs> o'clock. And there's an absolute ripper on double eight, double three. Get anything you want to know from Baz, send it through. He's gonna, He's just going to be so honest. G'day, Baz, your legend. That over against the wild thing, Tate, were you always planning to scoop him like a madman from Simon and Nelson via Kings High School? Great question, Simon. I was actually there that day, and everyone thought you were a lunatic. Well, thanks, Simon. Yeah, well, it didn't really... It wasn't the plan heading into that day in Christchurch, that's for sure. I guess the key was that we knew it was going to be a flat wicket, right? And so we were going to need a high score, and... And I knew opening the batting, I was going to have to have a have a decent crack at um, at their fast boys, of which Sean Tate was one of them. And then so I came down the wicket early and tried to blast him back over his head, 
and the ball sort of skewed off. Such was the pace that it was being delivered, skewed off out towards point. And I sort of realised at that point in time that I was not going to have the game to be able to take him on in front of the wicket. So I thought, well, the best thing to do was to try and use the pace if I possibly could. So hence why we why I tried that scoop shot. And I sort of got away with one and I was like, oh, I'll go to the well again, you know. And so I went again and kind of got away with it a few times. And I guess it was one of those days where they come off. I have on many occasions in the nets in particular that's turned turned out to be horribly wrong. And I've either scooped it into my helmet or I've missed it completely and it's hit me in the mid midriff sort of region. So I wouldn't say it doesn't it doesn't come without an element of risk, but on that occasion it was it was worth having a crack with. That's actually from that day as well. Smithy was absolutely loving it. Hey, Baz, I don't know, do you want to read the... <laughs> you spoke about how you don't smoke anymore the other day, so this is fine. Was Brendan Dunhill or, B- Dunhill or B&H in how many a day during a test match? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I'd just like to say that I have given up smoking. I smoked through my career, and it's something I do regret, and, and it's something I'm very proud of that I've now not, I've not touched a cigarette for five years. So it's a... Well done. Uh, very good achievement. Thank you very much. And I certainly do not endorse smoking in any way, shape or form either. So uh, back then I did used to smoke B&H though. And um, yeah, it wasn't, I'm not proud of it, but it, it, it was a part of my life that uh, that I can't take back. So we move on. I wish I had found other ways to be able to deal with playing test cricket. Do you chew gum? Yes. Yeah. Because Viv Richards used to chew gum and he was my idol. Ah, oh, there you go. That's lovely. In the sheds. Oh, best international player off the field. Quickly, Baz. Uh, Owen Morgan. Easy. Legend. That's tough on Linny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a host of them, actually, but Morg stands at the very top. Coming up to 8 o'clock. Cafe time for Baz and me. Thank you for sending all those texts through and in the sheds. Up next, though, it is Trudy. She's got the news for Kubota. Together we are building and shaping New Zealand. Uh, good morning, Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It is is just after 8 a.m. in the morning, and we've been talking all things sport. We've heard from Justin Nelson, the general manager of the National Basketball League, Robert Van Royen around the Bledisloe Cup debacle, which is unfolding, Scott Waldrum, the former All Black Sevens coach and player, and we have some big guests to come, including Grant Elliott and also the Cambridge trainer, Stephen Marsh. So a lot still to get through. We've also discussed many subjects, including pies earlier on of which I felt like we were very knowledgeable. And we got some real engagement, some real some real good strong opinions around which was the best pies out there and, and how to eat them and and uh, and what what people really enjoy. And sauce was quite a hot topic as well, Louis. Sauce uh, on lasagna, sauce just everywhere. Sauce with fish and chips. It's just sauce. We love sauce. Fat bastard pies and avocado, the best around on double eight, double three. The texts still keep coming. It's a real kind of like a, it's a real staple of the nation, isn't it? Pie chat. Yeah, it just engages everyone, doesn't it? Everyone feels real, really a part of it. Or we can all have a strong opinion on pies, and 
And really, they're your own opinions. So we've probably done the pies, though. We'd probably move on to something more pressing, like fish and chips, sporting topics. Oh, fish and chips. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, know, didn't know where you were going there. Oh, actually, the other one that I wanted to pick your brain on was in one of Trudy's earlier news is the prices of coffee. I mean, that's a that's a whole three hours one morning, but so we won't we won't burn that. Um, there's a text that came through. How did Zach Reed go last night in the 800 metre freestyle? He's from Fitzroy SLSC in New Plymouth. Cheers, Josh. Well, Josh, I've just looked it up. Heat's result first performance: seven minutes fifty-three seconds point zero six. Zach Reed in the uh, 800 metre freestyle. So congratulations to Zach Reed and congratulations to New Plymouth. Very good. Very good performance. What's this other one here? Morning, lads. Keen to hear from someone read the developments at Ellerslie. What's the plan and timeline around the new surface, and are they putting in a synthetic track? Cheers, Munro. Well, the hill's been sold, hasn't it, Louis? And that's going to bring in, well, it's going to be sold, and it's going to bring in some considerable um, money to the Ellerslie or to Auckland Racing. Synthetic track? Is, is there a synthetic track going in it? A, a Strathair track, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so it's a little bit different. And I don't think... There's a bit of conjecture about whether you can jump on Strathairs. So, look, this is a, it, isn't, it isn't my area of expertise in the racing kind of scene, but we can find out. Paul Wilcox, a great man, and Craig Baker, the Ellerslie Auckland Racing Club team, will definitely get them on. Maybe that's one for sometime this week, Baz. Well, it's just you and I, just a couple of race lovers we could we could film Munro in there because it is interesting what they're doing and that you know they're going to get a lot of cash from that hill so what they spend the money on it and stakes is a prevalent one but it is quite interesting isn't it yeah it sure is and maybe Stephen Marsh might even be able to help us out a little bit later on when we get him on to chat all things racing including synthetic tracks I'm surprised that our racing expert Louis Herman Watt didn't know that to the extent that I thought he would but anyway this man will have no idea, the man I'm about to introduce will have no idea about synthetic tracks or racing for that matter. Although he has owned a reasonably successful racehorse in the past, such as the luck that is bestowed upon him. He is a man who is a very good friend of mine. He is a very good friend of SCNZ as well with a stint on the Saturday show alongside Daniel McCarty. He is, of course, Grant Elliott. He is a former black cap and... Wonderful man who just loves free stuff. And I'm going to explain that a little bit in a second. But good morning, Grant. Good morning, fellas. Great to be on your show. I'm a big fan. Big fan. And uh, <laughs> missing, missing Izzy, obviously. Hopefully he's, a, he's all right. Yeah, of course, Izzy, um, to update everyone, is not with us this week as they celebrate the life of Izzy's mum who sadly passed in the weekend. Um, Grant? Is it true that you're what, one day into your role with SNZ and you're already texting the bosses asking for free Bledisloe Cup tickets? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, listen, there's a lot of truth in that rumour. Um, I've obviously be careful what I tell Louie from now on in uh, because it could uh, actually enter the ears of you, which for them is dangerous in the role that you currently got. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's right. Now, now it's wonderful to have you on, Grant. And, uh, everyone seems to everyone seems to just love you, Grant. Like, everyone that sort of has got to know you, not just for your exploits on the field, but 
the, the the hairy javelin sort of tag that you've got and also the way that you um you seem to just be able to conform to every environment that you that you find yourself in so it's great to it's great to hear from you now tell me have you been watching a bit of the olympics and what events in the olympics have really stood out for you yeah, I mean, honestly, Baz, thank you as a kind introduction. I thought you were going to say everyone that knows me doesn't like me. Um, but <laughs> that was a very nice introduction. And true. it is true that I did own a horse once, and I'll just say this to, to all those that are listening. Um, all, you might wake up after a night with Brendan McCullum and suddenly wake up and own a percentage of a horse. It happened to me. <laughs> Uh, the horse was called Passing Shot. It went quite well. It did. It was an amazing horse, and I thank you for that. I do thank you for that. We'll have to talk, uh, tell everyone about how you were going to throw me out of the syndicate um, if he won on the one day where I, didn't, I failed to pitch. <laughs> oh, that's right, because you were meant to come to the races, and you stood, you stood me up at the race meeting. So I said, well, if he wins today, then you're out of the syndicate because... We've we've got a firm no dickheads policy, and at the moment you're on the, you're on the cusp of of not. <laughs> this is quite brutal for being... Grant so far this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I actually got a text that I was out because there was a photo finish. But actually, passing shot lost by a nose, so I was still in. I was in. <laughs> oh, are you enjoying? Are you enjoying, did you enjoy your stint on the radio on Saturday? Yeah, loving it. Um, you know, I think, you know, I haven't been a huge sports watcher as I have been in the last sort of three weeks where I'm not, I've known that I'm actually going to be doing Saturdays with, with Daniel. So it's actually been awesome. I, I've got an excuse now with the family to say, well, I'm turning the sports on. I've got to do a bit of work. So I've been watching a lot of the, the Olympics, um, I find the discussion about Rusty Erasmus yesterday was fascinating. As I think the Lions is going to be a, a fascinating sort of series to watch, uh, just given the whole team dynamics there. Um, and just to, to watch the pressure that these Olympic athletes are under, like it doesn't matter what event you're watching, you understand the extreme pressure that they're going through and, They've had five years to prepare for this one moment that could last a few seconds. And you can't underestimate the, the pressure that that, that, that sort of mounts on, the, on an athlete. And to watch the American athletes, um, and I know that, you know, talking about that Simone Biles, um, her apart, the American athletes seem to just embrace pressure. I don't know what it is. They're smiling and... They seem to just be enjoying the moment out of everyone there. Um, and it might be, you know, a false-facing uh, uh, body language that they have, but, um, yeah, a refreshing uh, way to approach pressure. Um, but yeah, uh, the black sticks looking amazing. Um, uh, I was really disappointed about the all-whites. Um, although I did take a little punt on Honduras and I feel bad about it. I told Louis that. I felt really guilty. We were just looking good. Um, so, yeah, it's been brilliant. 
Hey, we got a text here, Grant, um, and I, d- I didn't actually rat you out about the Honduras one. And I'm sorry about the Bledisloe Cup debacle, but it's you just you got to be careful, you know. Everything's content in this business, mate. Literally everything's content. So yeah, that was always going to float to the surf- surface at some stage. Uh, someone's texted in, don't forget about my Mike Hessen question from yesterday, and that's a very good point. Because yesterday we were talking about seats on the bus in relation to Rassi Erasmus, and Baz was talking about the black cap setup when you guys had that inf- well, not infamous, the very famous Cricket World Cup run in 2015. And someone wanted to know what what Mike Hessen's involvement was, and and kind of what sort of coach he was like. And we thought well, it would be a great one for you and Baz to kind of collectively discuss. So, from your point of view, what what did Hess do for your career, and and how did you relate to him? Yeah, well, first of all, I think that the word coach, I, I actually don't think that they should be that, that, that uh, role description. I think that it's more of a management role because they are dealing more with the, their support staff than the players themselves. Obviously, I felt that his was actually, his main strength for me as a player was the fact that I didn't feel like he was ever going to judge me in it like... Uh, on, on what sort of form I was in. Because he hadn't played at the top level, it wasn't as intimidating as maybe going to someone like, you know, Martin Crowe, you know, could have been your coach, and saying, oh, I'm out of form. And suddenly you, you get someone who might judge you on, on form who, who thinks that, well, I've never been out of form. How can he say he's not really seeing the ball early on? So I felt like you, you did have a lot of transparency with this. And there was a lot of trust in the group. Uh, Hess followed an era where there was, a, there was five coaches in five years and a lot of guys were picked and dropped during that time. And I was one of them. However, as in Hess built up a lot of trust in the group where you knew you were going to get a decent run. And when you were in the team, you knew you could trust those guys around you and you could trust the support staff and the selectors that they would keep the faith in you. Um, whereas I think prior to that, it was you, you, you were going in thinking it could be my last innings. Grant, you, you were a great tourist, a great team man and, and instrumental in the culture of, of each team that you played in. How would you have gone, A, with no crowds and, and B, in the tight bubble which people operate with now in COVID times? Yeah, the, the no crowd thing, I don't think that, that really would bother me. Um, I, I wouldn't be bothered whether there's a crowd there or not. I do think the crowd helps you get up at the moment a little bit more, a little adds a, a bit more of an edge into the event. Um, yeah, I've I, I recently experienced uh, the bubble. So I went uh, to Abu Dhabi to commentate. So I wasn't playing, but commentating. And spoke to a couple of the players there. Difficult. I, I thought it would be a breeze because I don't mind spending a bit of time to myself, but I also get a lot of energy from, as you say, being a tourist has spending time away from the game. And yeah, I I found it tough. I came home and I thought to myself after the, the two weeks MIQ as well, I was like, well, I, I actually don't think that I really want to be going overseas again. So these these athletes are under huge amounts of pressure, and. You know, some of them were, were going from Dubai straight to, you know, MIQ for two weeks and then to England for the 100 and then to the CPL, the cricketers. 
and back again, and they're going to spend close on 80 days away from their family. Um, and that's really tough. It's all right if you're a single single guy or single female, I guess, and you're travelling the world and enjoying it, but still, for the times in MIQ, it really does have an effect on your mental health. So I don't know what the answer is because it's, it's harsh. It really is heavy, and I've only done one stint of it. Okay, well, we're going to have to let you go, mate, but we're going to hear plenty more from you over the next few years, and it's great to have you on board with SNZ, mate, and uh, and share your thoughts because you are a very articulate and also cultural man, and it will be great for the country to get to know you even more. So thanks for joining us today, T.S. Elliot. Thanks a lot, Baz. Thanks, Louie. And uh, just let me know if I can get those tickets as well for the Blitters Low. Well, someone will be in touch, mate. You, this is, I thought you cricketers were savvy enough to know you have, you have to put this in your contract negotiations at the start. You don't come back to a lowly producer after you're already on the dotted line, mate. There's no, no good with that. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on the show, fellas. <laughs> no, no worries. Yes, Baz, you're so right about Grant. Like, everyone loves him. And it was that, I think it was the pure, and I, if you think about it, it is the, like, he's a genuinely great bloke, but it was the pure joy he brought the nation in that 2015 moment at Eden Park. Like, that might have been one of, you talk to some people, that's the happiest I've ever been, you know? That was just, you, you could not... It was pandemonium in the truest form, and he was the guy out there, Superman, as Smithy said. So there's a lot of a lot of um, endearment in that moment alone. Yeah, I can't talk highly enough of Grant. I know I give him a bit of grief along the road, and um, he takes it he takes it really well. He dishes it out plenty as well. He's probably just a little smarter. He does it behind the scenes, but he's um he is one of the best blokes that I've played cricket with, to be honest. Just such a he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's such a passionate man. He's very thoughtful about his teammates as well. He's always brings energy to the environment too, and he's got a wicked sense of humour. So look, he he did it on the field in, in pressure situations and and in tough um, circumstances. But just as a bloke, you you don't get too many better than him. And and I, I'm pleased that he's getting the opportunity to share some of his his thoughts and and experiences and opinions on um, on SNZ as well. Fantastic. Another addition to the weekend. It's a strong lineup in the weekend from Philip Tatorangi into Mick and myself on the mail run. Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott on the Saturday session, then into the good oil, then quite often some rugby league in the afternoon. It is fantastic. It's a great lineup. We've got a SENZ. Remember, you can download the SENZ app wherever you are around the country and always be up to date with us. We do encourage everyone to go follow us on our social media platforms too, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast at 19 minutes past eight. Brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 28 minutes away from the end of this fine broadcast with Brendan McCullough, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. After that, it's Ian Smith. We'll catch up with him before the end of the hour. And until then, well, let's have a look at what athletes are coming up today, Baz, for the New Zealand team. It's another day at the Olympics and another day where we are in the hunt for some medals. In particular, the woman, the rowing double-scale woman and the rugby sevens. So at 2pm today, the New Zealand, the All Black Sevens team 
they played Great Britain at 2pm in that semi-final match. So they'll be up for a medal, whatever it takes. They'll one win away from a medal, whether that is bronze or gold. Well, they'll be two wins away from gold, wouldn't they? But they are, are close, <laughs> and they've been playing very, very well. So that is exciting. There's also some doubles tennis. There's some more rowing. There's some more hockey. There's some sailing where the sailors really need to sort themselves out. They're not having a great go of it just yet. And Luca Jones is back down the cut, the slalom route. And then George Bennett and Patrick Bevan are in the road cycling, the men's time trial. It's a busy day in Tokyo, and Baz will be glued to the three-on-three basketball. Yes, I will. What actually happened to the Sailors last night? They they missed the start, is that right? And they, they end up running 12th. I only saw the back end of it where... Ireland were able to get across the line in first place, and then I was sort of waiting to see where Pete Burling and and um, uh, Blair Chuk finished, but they were a little bit down the down the order. But you wouldn't ride them off, would you? Because they're very very strong mentally as well, and obviously clearly talented. So hopefully they bounce back today. Absolutely, the the ladies uh, Maloney and Meach, is it? They had a real tough run of it. They capsized. I think they had a DQ as well. It was a tough day, and it was tough conditions. It was very guster, gusting, uh, blustery conditions. That's the word I'm looking for. Texts are rolling in here uh, for the the tips, Baz. I hope you got your little black book out. Uh, yeah, I have. I'm just going to focus on this one though. Grant Elliott's such a champ. He gave me and my mates a lift in the Wellington team van to the bars. <laughs> in the Mount on New Year's Eve in 2014-2015. <laughs> and Grant would have asked you for some petrol money, no doubt about that. Anyway, uh, some tips. Hey, boys, Cambridge Race 5, number one, Darcy Palmer. That's trained by um, Stephen Marsh, isn't it, Darcy Palmer? It is. Um, Cambridge three, Cambridge Race 3, what's that, Ecantador? Ecantador. Andy from Terrence. Okay. Race four, Powell. Gee, we've got the whole card covered here, Louis. We do. Race five, Bounty. So does so does Stephen Marsh with his team of runners. He's actually a committee member at Cambridge, so he'll be no doubt shaking hands, rubbing shoulders with our former Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters today. He's got a big team. He's got a lot of them in pre-training for his spring targets. Marshy, um, it'll be interesting to catch up with him and see if he can point us towards Darcy Palmer at 25 minutes away from nine. Thank you to Trudy for the news. We're going to be back with Stephen Marsh very shortly. 20 minutes away from Ian Smith and with the Bledisloe Cup in Perth not possible, the caller of the month will win an All Blacks experience. Just be part of SENZ by calling 0800 150 811. That's the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150 811. Thanks to Ballpark Entertainment on SENZ. It's just been a bit of a, a, bit of a disaster for the New Zealand rugby list this travel bubble shutting down. They did a good job to get this um, exemption for the Wallabies to come into New Zealand for the first one, but it just might be a little bit niggly. Bears moving forward, those guys having to stay away for a long time could be could be a tricky situation. Yeah, it could be a tricky situation. No doubt they're in for, uh, for some interesting times and it's going to need some good leadership to make some firm decisions and play what is in front of them. Talking about playing what's in front of us, we've got one text come through here from Andrew. He said, I'd love the bonus bet, please, lads, because my account is currently down to zero after I follow Beaver's multi-tip from the weekend. 
He's now throwing out a tip as well. He's saying powwow and race four. Well, how's about we leave the tipping to the man on the phone who joins us now from Cambridge. He is Cambridge Horse Train, also a committee member of the Cambridge Jockey Club. He is a man for all seasons, a wonderful bloke and a fantastic horse trainer. And it is Stephen Marsh joins us now. Good morning, Marshy. I didn't quite hear that intro, mate. Can you just uh, repeat that for everyone, thanks? The <laughs> <laughs> part about being a champion uh, bloke and a good horse trainer. Yeah. Gee, they're good, aren't they, horse trainers? They have got the gift of the gab, that ability to just woo people sell, in with sell, their sell. words. and. <laughs> I'll tell you what, oh, I've only been on the for less than a minute, but I love it. I love it already. <laughs> uh, good man. Huge day over at Cambridge, mate. Four $40,000 races on the on the poly. You got a good team in as well. Yeah. Yeah, got a nice team in today. It's, it's really good, though, racing for 40000 midweek. Um, it's been a uh, it's been a really good sort of uh, program, this. Um, and it's been... Very well received. You know, the, the fields are good and some really good competitive fields. So, no, it'll be, it'll be a great day's racing. I'll tell you what, the weather's put it on again. We've had a storm the last two days, but the sun's out and it's going to be a cracker. So, no, looking forward to it. We're going to ask you to steer us into a couple a little bit later on in the chat, but just overall, how, how do you think the synthetic has gone down with people within the industry, the trainers and jockeys, etc.? Look, I think... Um, We'll take it back when it first came in. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, not only in racing, but a lot of a lot of people just in general don't like change. They're always a little bit apprehensive. Oh, new track, don't know about this and that. And, you know, probably the outsiders had a bit of his knockers at the start. Um, but I think once everyone sort of got a bit of a handle on it, and you know, once now these wet tracks have come and you know, you look at the racing like this weekend. I mean, it's nothing to do with, you know, Rotorua Tiara. It's the, it's the weather. But they're going to be running home in 45, and some are going to be sinking. Um, but, you know, it's just, it doesn't matter what happens. The, the track plays perfect. And I think everyone's getting a bit more confidence. You go back to those trials, uh, the last set of trials here. You know, you had, um, you know, your Probabils, your Avantages. You know, you had all the guns, basically, from the... Um, from the Waikato area, all trialling here. So, yeah, I think just, you know, everyone's, everyone's always going to be a little bit iffy at the start, but I think people love it now, and, and it's reflecting now. And, you know, we're loving training on it. It's um, you know, gone to the days of jump-outs being cancelled, trials being cancelled, um, venturing two hours away for a trial or even just to get a good gallop into them. So it makes it a hell of a lot better for us, and, um, and I think it's working for everyone. You know, Matter Matter's bringing a lot of horses over, and, um, yeah, people are getting a real confidence now, which is great. It's the consistency, isn't it, Marshy, which is sometimes lacking in racing where you can kind of really dial in. So important to know exactly when, you, when you're trying to prepare a horse, what are your dates, what are your times you're working with, and that consistency the track offers just must be such a help. Could, could you just um, enlighten me and, and everyone out there how, how it kind of does open another avenue for a so, certain sort of horse that probably wouldn't be running at this time of year otherwise? Well, you just look at a couple of horses, like, uh, you know, we've got a horse like Darcy Palmer in the fifth today, um, and his form line reigns, I think, two, two, three, two, two, or whatever it is. I mean, his last five starts, he's run at every Cambridge synthetic meeting. He loves it. He just likes He likes that sort of... He's always a horse that he doesn't like hard track, he doesn't like a wet track, he just likes sort of a nice dead, dead surface. And it's probably kept him going. I mean, he may have been retired, Um I'd say every horse racing today wouldn't be in work if, uh, if we didn't have a synthetic. 
and that probably goes with a lot of horses. Um, and it just, you know, like the whole thing is, I mean, you're not sort of looking at the weather thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen here? Are we going to be on a slow track? Are we going to be on a heavy? You know exactly what you've got. And, you know, it's not only just for the, the horses racing this time of year, but just bringing them up, you know, like we have got horses in Matter Matter or whatever in this, uh, or Cambridge, wherever. If you know there's trials scheduled for here, you know they're going to go ahead. So you can plan just so much further ahead. You know, you're not sort of looking at Titeco thinking, God, as long as the track's good, we'll go there. But if it's going to be heavy, well, we might bypass that and just go and give them a good gallop at Taupo. Just simplifies things and just be yeah, so much better for your planning. Well, you've got all the heavy hitters rolling out today. All the top jocks are coming. Obviously, we know they love cash, so the $40,000 stakes is probably the, the incentive there. We also got Winston Peters, the guy that kind of made this all possible, really, or started a lot of the movement. He's going to be on track. So as a committee member, do you have to rub shoulders and shake some hands? Oh, God, yeah, we'll be there when he uh, cuts the ribbon and all our finery, for sure. We'll, uh... No, it's good. I mean, if it wasn't for Winston... Um... No, we wouldn't have the track here. He he really pushed hard for it and um, and got it through. And uh, you know now it's one going and through it. Uh, I've actually just started laying the synthetic at Rickerton. Um, but if it wasn't for him, we've we've really got him to thank for it. And uh, it's very fitting that he is coming to for the uh, you know for the for the big day and um, the official really opening of the track. I think it's I think it's really good having him here. Speaking of rubbing shoulders and. And doing all those good things. I'm coming over this afternoon as well, Marshy, so I'm looking forward to you buying me a beer, mate, while our horse Alamode goes round in the last. So that should be exciting, mate. Um, talk to me, talk to us about about your team. You've Obviously, the season is sort of coming towards the end and you've got a big team in work. You must be super excited about the new season um, or the spring about to arrive. Yeah, I mean, I really am. We'll get back to Alamode later. We'll talk about the uh, new spring team now. Um, <laughs> last year was really good. I mean, we got we got up to the 90 winners and 10 stakes winners. Um, but we had a lot of horses. We had a very slow start to the year. Um, a lot of horses sort of met their level. And, you know, strike rate was a bit ordinary. Um, but we've moved a hell of a lot of, um, you know, those horses that have reached their mark, moved them on. And we've got a really nice, um, you know, take the yearlings out of it. We've, we've probably bought better this year as well um, with, with the amount and quality. But I really like the, the sort of the team of our two rising three-year-olds and even our four rising five. I think we're going to have a really strong hand there. Um, a lot sort of maiden and one-win horses. We don't sort of have um, big numbers of flagship horses. Um, but I think we've got a. I think we're going into the season a lot better than we sort of have been in the last few, and and the last few have been good seasons as well. But I, I really think we've got a, a a better bunch of horses and a just better overall quality of horse. Okay, well, speaking of quality horses, tip us into one for today, please, Marshy. I'd love to see Darcy Palmer win today. Um, he's raced at every. Poly track meeting. Um, he's placed in every meeting. Drawn two in a nice little seven-horse field. I think he's hard to beat. Obviously, Alamode, you know, he's been set for this race for a little while, up to the 2,000. If he can settle, he's a real chance. And uh, I'll tell you what I do like for good odds. I think it's, it's well into double figures. Race one, I do like Raggedy Dole with the blinkers on. I think she gets a little bit of it at uh, really good odds. You know, nice place bet, I think.
Oh, Marshy. Well, the TAB have a little promotion here running in the first race, race one and two around. Uh, I think you get your money back if it runs second or third or fourth. So Raggedy Dollar, about 14 bucks. Outstanding. Darcy Palmer, go well out there, mate. Um, don't buy Baz too many beers because he's got to be back on the radio at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, so we need him in a in a fit state. You, on the other hand, enjoy it. You've done great work this season, and we'll catch up again soon. I tell you, I can afford to buy him a couple of beers because uh, here at Cambridge, they're $5 beers, so uh, I can at least buy him three. <laughs> and I'll still have a bit of change for dinner tonight, so there you go. But no, look forward to seeing you on course, Baz, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Sounds good, mate. See you later on. Outstanding, Marshy. One of the true characters of the racing industry does great work down there at Cambridge. We'll be back after this with Sleep On It and the Doyen, Ian Smith. <laughs> Five minutes away from Ian Smith on Baz for breakfast. Is he away this week with the passing of his mum? Thinking of you the whole dag far, no. Hey, boys, Cambridge race five, number one. Darcy Palmer, definitely a hot chance. Well, Ethan, Stephen Marsh agrees with you. So that $50 bonus bet is coming your way. Well done. But now it's time for sleep on it. Thanks to Temper, they've got mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases which conform to the exact shape of your body for unrivaled comfort and support. And Baz, you need to find something out from Smithy. Yeah, I do. Smithy, welcome again. I asked you a question yesterday. Who would captain your greatest ever All Black 15? Right. Easy, easy, really. I, I, I slept like a baby last night, but um, this wasn't... <laughs> if I had to stay awake, this wouldn't have kept me awake long, Bass. C.E. Meads, King Country. C.E. Meads, King Country. The tree. The tree would be my captain. Um, you know, different kind of rugby player than we have around today. And a lot of people will say wouldn't be in the same league as Sam Whitelock or Brodie Retallick, skill-wise, mobility-wise, whatever. But out in terms of raw bone, all-black history... Uh, Genuine leader, follow me, play with a broken arm in South Africa. C.E. Meads, King Country. Easy. Beautiful, sir. Sir Pine Tree. Outstanding. You've got Michael Jones on the open side as well, so I look forward to hearing the rest of your team. But tell us what's on your show for today, Smitty. Well, interesting show today, really. Uh, we're going to go straight to Tokyo, actually, catch up with uh, Ryan Fox. Foxy, of course, I think you guys spoke to him after the British Open or the Open Championship, yeah. as they call it. Uh, he's uh, having a second crack at an Olympic medal. Uh, of course, he was there in Rio. I finished 39th equal, I think, in Rio. So uh, how's he feeling going into this? We'll ask him about the course, ask him about uh, COVID protocols, etc., for golfers, uh, on the back of the fact that John Rahm's got it twice in a month. Uh, and Bryson DeChambeau, of course, has pulled out as well. So... A uh, really strong field, only 60 golfers, uh, men and women. So uh, we really will look uh, at Ryan Fox being a genuine chance because he's playing some good golf. Uh, Ollie Ritchie, who's uh, a, a journalist with News Hub, he's on the ground over there uh, in Tokyo. There's a number of issues to talk about there. Uh, Jeremy Lohliger. Now, Jeremy Lohliger is uh, an, the Australian who is the NBL Commissioner, National Basketball League Commissioner. Just signed a deal, Baz, with ESPN for millions, absolute millions to the rights of the NBL, NBL in Australia, which, of course, will impact on the breakers. I'm um, talking to this uh, Muppet called Louis Herman Watt. <laughs> Louis Herman Watt, <laughs> about, five to about 5 to 11 this it's morning. It's Louis Herman Watt's uh, the will... oil to you, Ian. Uh, OK, fair <laughs> enough, Sir Louis. Uh, uh, you guys are going to have to wrap this up. We're going to hand over to you soon. Oh, really? 
Oh, okay. Okay. So George Chen would shoot it for the uh, Southern Steel. And we've got uh, comedian of the day, joker of the day, and that's Di Henwood today, Baz. Uh, he, he'd probably play halfback alongside you, I reckon, Di Henwood. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding, Smitty. We're going to have to get to Trudy with the news shortly for Kubota. But it is an absolute pleasure for all of us here at Baz and Izzy for breakfast to be with you this morning. So a huge thank you to all of our guests. We've had Justin Nelson, Robert Van Ruin. We've had Scott Waldron. We had Grant Elliott, a fellow SENZ man. Stephen Marsh, the horse trainer from Cambridge, has tipped us into a couple. We have some broadcasting excellence to come in the form of New Zealand's voice of sport, Ian Smith, followed by the voice of the people, Mark Stafford. The dulcet... It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.